This is Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. The podcast for creatives, voice directors, and voice actors, helping you make the most of every single booking. If you make videos, ads, audiobooks, or anything with a voiceover, then this is the podcast for you. Let's make voiceovers better. Let's start talking creative. Hello, and welcome to Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. I'm Samantha Boffin, voice actor and director, and this podcast is all about helping you to find, prep, and direct your perfect voice artists so you can get the most from every single booking. Now, last week, Talking Creative had its first birthday, so... I thought it would be a really interesting idea to look back on the last 12 months and talk about the top 10 pieces of advice I've heard from my guests. I'm going to keep it to 10 because that's the classic number. And obviously, I'm always really classic. And (laughs) these are amazing tips to remember whether you work with voice artists every day or only occasionally. I'll be putting the list in the show notes and the links to the relevant episodes just in case you get the urge to re-listen to the whole thing. Now, this isn't one of those top 10 lists that builds up to the really, really important one. These are all actionable, practical tips that you can use today. But we are going to start with a little piece of gold and something at the heart of everything you're creating. Because number one tip is your listener is king or queen. Which is to say, for every project, whether we're talking corporate narration or telephone prompts or video games, whatever you're making, the most important thing to remember is who is your audience, who is listening, because they need to be front of mind all the time. If you understand who you are talking to, that will help you choose the right voice with the right energy and the right attitude so your audience can connect with your message or your story. If you can work that out, it will make your life so much easier in terms of finding the right voice and keeping you on point throughout the whole project. As I say, a lot of my guests touched on this, unsurprisingly, but listen to what Amber Bates from Orion Books had to say. Because it's set at Christmas, did that make a difference to the kind of narrator that you were then looking for? Yes, definitely. It is a Christmas book, but it's not a dark Christmas book. So that means I wanted to keep in mind someone who um, has quite a warm, caring, kind of happy voice because Christmas makes everyone happy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You do. You want to feel warm, don't you? You want to feel nostalgically, typically Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what I kept in mind when I was looking for someone to read. I want a reader, when they're listening to it, to feel like it puts them in a Christmas mood. And, um, you know, similar as you know how um, there's always a film you watch at Christmas. I want this to become an audio book that people want to listen to every year, you know, because they know it makes them feel good. And it's a a really good story as well. And yes, you can imagine, imagine putting this on if you're, you know, making, doing your Christmas baking or, you know, if you're, if you're. Yeah, Christmas wrapping. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) 
And this piece of advice from Sean Pratt, narrator and audiobook coach, was really unusual and just brilliant to remember. It's like giving a TED Talk. I don't, in my mind, I don't literally become the author as a character because I'm not trying to mimic their speech in any way. I use the author as an archetype. So I'm a, I'm a physics professor who's going to talk about XYZ, about finding a black hole or something. Or I'm a, I'm a business coach going to teach you how to be a better manager with, you know, how to deal with your employees, that kind of thing. And then you give yourself a realistic setting, someplace that you can picture yourself in, a conference room or a theater or I don't know what. And then you have an audience. And I always teach my, what I do and what I teach my students is that when we narrate nonfiction, it's always to an audience of people, not one oh, person. Oh, because that's quite different then from a lot of yes. um, narration. Yeah, and it, yeah, commercial video. Yeah. yeah. Commercial video, they teach you to, to read to one person. And it's something that I just brought with me. I know as a theater performer, it's much easier for me to maintain my sense of drive and enthusiasm in the performance when it's a full house of people who are very interested in the you know watching me perform as opposed to just one person that just sort of feels too intimate to me and is that different if you do fiction if you do fiction do you imagine one listener or is it the same for you both either way you know it's interesting uh, it depends on the piece sometimes it feels like one person sometimes it feels like i'm doing a show and tell kind of a thing to a group of people sometimes it feels like i am the movie and all the pieces of the movie, you know, happening, you know, but in turn, but I'm doing it. I'm suddenly on the narrator telling you when you watch a movie and suddenly I'm in that scene. So it, it just depends on the piece. So it's all about being inventive and flexible. And so number two, which on the one hand feels like the Cinderella of the voiceover session, but on the other hand, it's absolutely crucial. Number two is B an ace planner. This is something, honestly, I really need to take to heart in the coming year because my planning of this very podcast, in fact, sometimes goes awry. And that's my resolution for the second year. Be more organised. Now, when I spoke to Verity Panther, she is Queen of Queensbury and she's a voiceover and a live sports announcer. We talked about how she preps for a live event. So within all those people that you mentioned, that was quite a complex list of people that you need to liaise with actually on the day. If you were translating that into a radio show or a TV show, who would that be? Would that be the director that would need to be your one point of focus? Yep, the director, the sound engineer, because I will obviously get in the ring and test the equipment and the mic and make sure they're backup batteries and things like that so sound engineer and I have a good good relationship because they do the music as well and if that's too loud or my mic's not switched up enough I that's happened before I'm in the ring talking and they haven't switched my mic on <laughs> so the kind of skills that you need actually that, that somebody would be looking for in somebody like you would be actually quite organized in fact and and certainly a huge amount of prep I definitely am organized and I get them plenty of time to make sure I can double check everything because then if I make a mistake or something goes wrong I'm organized and I can pull it back together it's a live event anything happens my mic broke I checked it a hundred times it broke in the ring so I knew the timekeeper always has a spare so I could be calm walk over to the timekeeper grab his mic and steal it and use it to carry on with what I was saying. So if you're not organised, little things like that will trip you up. And voice actor Bav Palmer talked about how directors can bring the voiceover into that planning process and create a way better result. A great friend of mine, he's a German director, 
And he usually calls upon me for kind of promo or short explainer videos. Now, he has a very, very good way of letting the project melt into you. And that is by having an initial conversation with you, then inviting you into a meeting with either the client or somebody else in the production team, and then being there with you on the recording, you know, hearing you in the moment, hearing what you've got to bring to the script. And so all of those kind of small things is a big takeaway for this whole idea of letting the project melt. And I think as, a, as an artist, as much as you are ready and able to work flexibly, like last minute, and somebody throws you a project and there you go, you know, run with it and, and there's minimal direction. One thing I do love is being part of that person's process. And being part of the process, you understand the project so much better. You get where everything's coming from. You don't just kind of enter in and do your job and leave. You actually sit there and and have discussions and understand what it is that the production company wants and the client wants. So just that idea of saying, hey, we're going to send this project to Bav a week in advance. And then we're going to have a little chat with her. And then if she's got anything that she wants to change, she can. Then we're going to have a recording session together. And then I'm going to kind of edit it up and send it to her so she can see how that, that works. That works for the project, but it also works for the next project I'm going to work on because that learning of that process helps me to understand as well where, you know, where I can improve. So not just useful for that project, but future projects too. This is such a great piece of advice. If you can create a little bit of space, um, what's the old adage? Um, if you if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Now I've been watching Great British Bake Off recently. If you don't know it, it's um it's a cooking show with contestants who are eliminated every week, and every single time, it's the ones who are winging it last minute, hoping to pull off something really amazing. They're the ones who leave and the organised ones who leave themselves space to really work on their spark of creativity. They're the ones who stay on week after week. Which kind of leads me to point number three. Do your homework. Don't necessarily take that new voice you've found at face value. Check they really can deliver what you need them to. Voice actor and coach, Tanya Rich. So there are things you can look out for as a director, and I'm sure I'm teaching directors to suck eggs or something. Um, If you hear a voice that you've never heard of before and their reel is peppered with spots for top brands like Andrex and Purcell and and you think, "Mm, I don't think you are the voice of them, are you? That's usually a good indication that actually that reel is fake. But let's say you listen to that and you thought, actually, the first, let's take the first read on that reel. Let's say that's their signature voice, you know, they hear about the signature voice. Um, I tell you what, just because I'm a little bit doubtful as whether they really are the voice of Bazooka that Veruca or whatever, um, I'm going to get them to do a little audition for me in the style I want them to do. Any decent voice with a decent studio will find the time. They will bob in and say, yeah, sure. They'll probably give you three takes, different styles. That's, they don't need to go more than three because the producer's only got, and the director's only got so much time. Great advice. Slickly produced voiceover demos can feel very shiny and gorgeous. And you do need to know the voice really is the real deal. And it also means that you can check out their studio and whether it's up to scratch if you're working with them remotely. So win-win. <laughs> Now, point four feels really current and is something that's becoming more and more important as the voice industry grows and expands. 
Be authentic. I've said quite recently in one of the podcast episodes that being authentic seems like it's the new conversational. It always used to be about being conversational, and being authentic is part of that, but more. And it's back to really connecting with your audience too. Eleanor Hamilton of eLearning Voices. The voiceover industry over the last 20 years or so has been a very sort of white middle class industry. Um, And over the last few years, clearly clients want a a much more diverse cast of voices. So the person behind the voice has to be from that ethnicity, which is absolutely 100% the right thing to do because they're... they're, um, their workforce is a global workforce now. So you're finding more and more that you, you're, you're not just speaking to people in one office. You're making programmes that everybody across the company will see. And there'll be people in, I don't know, Basingstoke and people in Mumbai and people in Dallas, all working for the same company and all needing somebody on screen or some voice that's going to represent them. And, and it doesn't matter which voice you pick you know, if you you picked an accent from any one of those places, it wouldn't represent the other two places. So what we're finding is there's a bit of a mixture now, and that's nice. Now, so far, the tips have been focused on prep, thinking about your listener, planning your sessions, doing your homework, and finding authentic voices. But how do you work in the moment with your voice artist once you've found them? Point five is make them feel confident. Because we all work better when we feel less anxious, right? When I asked Sean Pratt for his best piece of advice for a director, this was what he said. Find out what will make them the most comfortable during the recording process. That's my one big tip. Because the minute the the talent gets tense, just it can snowball very, very quickly. And then they they just start overanalyzing and they get tense and they can get aggressive or defensive and... Then it's no longer about the book. It's about this, these two egos going back and forth. Yeah, that, it's something as simple as that. That would be my one, you know, my one big overarching piece of advice. Find out what will make them feel the most comfortable. That is such a great tip. But how can you do that? Coach Nick Redman has some great practical advice. One of the things you can do to avoid or to try and... Um, make the voice feel comfortable is just give them a little bit of time to orient themselves in the space. You know, sometimes we're going in that booth on our own. It's a really big gig for us, maybe. And there's like bloody seven people from the creative team and the director and the guy on the desk and (laughs) someone from the studio and there's all sorts going on. So give them the time to orient themselves. Allow them to get in the booth to decide, you know, ask them things like, would you like to stand or sit? Get in there, have a little look around, you know, is the mic position okay? Would you like some water? All that kind of stuff that makes us feel really valued. (laughs) Nick also went on to talk about how to get voice artists to really engage with the script, which is point number six. Write scripts to be read out loud, which seems like such an obvious point, but it doesn't always happen. Check your script yourself by reading it aloud. And listen to what Nick says here about using the script to really inform the read once you're in the session. You've got so much to work with in the text that you've written that you can use technically to inform the vocal delivery. So one example of this is the idea of what the vowels and the consonants bring to language. So in in my world, there's an idea that the vowels bring the emotion and the consonants bring the clarity. So if you're working with someone and you want something that's more of an emotional 
an emotionally driven direction, like can it be warmer? Can they sound friendlier? I need this to sound more engaging or empathetic or sad. I would look at the vowels there because that's where the emotion hides. But if you want them to get an, uh, something emotional, then I would say a direction you could give is, can you give me a little bit more in the vowels? Can I have more from the, if the, if the sentence is, oh gosh, uh, a sentence, uh, soon coming soon to a cinema near you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got an oo, you've got coming soon to a cinema, which is quite punctuated and nice, near, which is long, e, and oo, you. So if you said, can you give me a bit more on the long vowels, yeah. then what you might get is a little bit more emotion from that side of things. Then, of course, if you want them to be energetic, you could go into the consonants instead and find some punctuation there um, with the kind of stress and the intonation with using the consonants. The vowels are where the emotion hides. I love that. Very clear, very specific tips there. And neatly, it's not all made up, you know, neatly onto point number seven. Be clear, be specific. There are a couple of really interesting points here on this. The first is from voice actor Katie Flamen about getting the kind of information that really makes a huge difference to the voiceover artist. Recently, very recently, I've been recording some audio for a museum exhibition that's going to be opening in the UK soon. And I was under the impression from the production company that when they sent me scripts for what they're calling a jukebox, the sound that that I was recording, the snippets of things that I was recording, were going to be coming out of a jukebox, which is, of course, a thing that is mounted on the wall or stands on the floor and you push a button and the sound comes out of that at you. So I imagined people standing around this exhibition, pushing a button and hearing my voice coming at them when they push the button. The, the client did not want a directed session. They said that that wasn't necessary. So I recorded the thing and sent it back and they didn't like it. They said it was too selly, it was too over the top. So then I said, well, why don't you come and do a directed session? And I think the client was a bit scared because they're not a director, but they did come on board. And what it enabled us to do was to have a really clear conversation about how this sound is going to be reaching the audience. And they gave me the the amazing piece of information that everything's coming through a headset. So I'm actually not needing to blast the information out and project because people are standing in a room and listening through, through a jukebox. What they're going to be hearing is directly in their ears. And it's a much more intimate delivery is required. And once I knew that information, of course, I was able to give them exactly the delivery they wanted. Just brilliant. Making the context clear is so crucial. And now, voice actor and director Stefan Kornikard with something very, very practical and specific. I'd like to talk about two pet hates. The first one, and the one that I'm going to go on at length about, is uh, line readings. Line readings is when the director feels the need to actually say the line the way he wants to hear it, to the actor in the booth and expecting the actor to just mimic the tone that he has been given. The issue with that is that it sucks the life out of performance. It makes a mockery of what being an actor is. Line readings have a place, but the place is 
as a last resort, when everything else has failed, when words have failed, when images have failed, when similes have failed, when adjectives and adverbs have failed. And even then, they should only be used, line readings should only be used once or twice in a session. I recently had the misfortune of working on a game where the director was himself an actor and insisted on giving line readings for every single line. Rather than trying to explain the situation, he would say, oh, I'd like to hear it like this. And then, of course, it reduces the actor to being a parrot, um, an empty vessel, a robot. And the result at the end of the day is that the whole game was basically one voice, that of the director. So at the end of the session and at the end of the recordings, what should be uh, in effect, a collaboration, bringing as many different voices to the product as possible, was in fact paring down the entire richness of the product to one voice, and one voice who was not very good. A good session, a good voiceover session, should be a collaboration where the actor, the director, and the sound engineer bring their own talent to the table. What it should not be is the director imposing whatever he or she has got in her head in terms of the way the line should be delivered. It should not be the director asking the actor to become a parrot. My second pet hate is directors who take cocaine during sessions. I've had the misfortune of being in a few commercial sessions where the director would nip out from time to time, regularly, uh, in order to go and powder his nose. And then when he came back, his behavior and his directions were more and more erratic as the session went on. Um, so yes, line readings and cocaine are my two pet hates. Well, there you go. An extra tip right there. And one of my personal all-time favourites. Just say no. Now, point eight, still keeping on the really practical advice when you're in a session, is be playful. When we're up against it and time is slipping through our fingers, we can sometimes forget that creating a little bit of space has the potential to get you to the real gold in a performance. Voice actor Lisa Graydon. I had an audition recently for a game role and it was via Zoom, so I could see the casting director and he could see me in my booth. We discussed the script, which for NDA reasons I'd received like an hour before the call, and we briefly discussed this character before he asked me to have an initial read-through. These sides had pretty much a little bit of everything, so that because of that I got to act out many different emotions, tons of different emotions for this one character within like one and a half sides of A4. I absolutely loved reading for the role and he seemed to really like what I did. And then he said to me, can you now do another run through but do something completely different? And then we did a third read through where he really specifically directed me. We actually went through the lines uh, one by one and he told me how he wanted that to go. And I realised when I came off the call that I just had this amazing experience in a pretty short space of time where I'd been given the opportunity to show the casting director a huge range with one relatively short script. 
and I've been able to show my versatility. And I think those kinds of auditions, they stay with you for all the right reasons. And that is the perfect introduction to point nine, which is have fun and don't take yourself too seriously. When I was starting out in this industry, I might have mentioned this to you before, it was the day before my first film shoot and I was really nervous. I phoned my dad, who worked in TV and film, and he calmed me down. He had been working in the industry for years and he said, every single shoot, every project, everyone on it was making it up as they went along. And that there is always something different that needs to be worked out, something to experiment with, and that it's all part of the process. And that really helped me to put it into some kind of context. And I, I went the following day to the shoot feeling significantly more confident than I had the night before. Director Garrett Neal on not taking yourself too seriously. No matter how much you know, you really don't know that much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always something to learn. I, when I was young, you know, starting on this, I was really young and I was so serious about it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. Uh, and I was nervous, I really, really nervous. And of course, you know, with experience, those nerves tend to fade and you get more comfortable in your shoes. It should be fun. It should be fun. At the end of the day, we are creating something that wasn't there before, right? Whether that's, you know, a very corporate ad or or something, you know, very, you know, capitalistic and materialistic, whatever it is, we're kind of creating art, you know? There's so many possibilities out there. The ability to create something new and special that didn't exist before you started doing it is really a cool thing. And that is the perfect moment to come to number 10, which is <laughs> you are the director. So you need to direct but not to dictate. That's my best piece of advice from everything I've learned in 20-odd years of doing all this and talking to people who work as directors, coaches, producers and voice actors. Working with your actors, alongside them, being part of a team, even if it's only a team of two, will enable you to create some magic. And at the end of the day, the buck stops with you as the director. So you need to be encouraging and clear, specific as well as flexible, open and playful. Proper planning will create space and time to experiment. Building great relationships and being in the moment, really listening and responding honestly, are all part of being a good director. And because this so neatly sums this point up, Here is voice actor Maggie Turner talking about what a really good director can bring to the party. One of the qualities you look for in a good audio director is one who understands the importance of rehearsals with opportunities to try options, try characters, to try accents, and recognise that the actor has to think more deeply and more consistently, really about the way that they're going to portray their character when the audience has no visual clues um, as to what that character is all about. Another thing I would look for is a director who knows how to divide the script into scenes so that you can really get to grips with what's happening in each of the sections of the piece that you're recording. And those directors who listen, they listen with their ears, not with their eyes. There is a tendency when you're in the same room as someone to look at them to see how they are. 
But of course, audio work is not about that. It's about what you hear. Um, and so if the director has got his head buried in the script or her head buried in the script while I'm rehearsing a scene, that is absolutely fine by me. And that's the way I would like it to be. So that's it. The top 10 pieces of advice from a year of Talking Creative. One, the listener is king or queen. Two, be an ace planner. Three, do your homework. Four, be authentic. Five, make your voice talent feel confident. Six, write scripts to be read aloud. Seven, be clear, be specific. Eight, be playful. Nine, don't take yourself too seriously. And ten, be a director, not a dictator. Right. My work is done. There is nothing more to do here. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> because you're not going to get rid of me that easily. I am going on with this podcast. There's so much more to do. But thank you so much for listening to this particular episode. And remember, all the links to the different episodes I've mentioned here are in the show notes. I'm Samantha Boffin. Do get in touch if you need a voice actor for any of your projects or just connect with me for more voice directing chat. You can find me on LinkedIn or at samanthaboffin.co.uk. So, until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. If you enjoyed it, do leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode on social media so other people like you can get the best out of their voice actors. And don't forget, you can head over to talkingcreative.co.uk for the whole series.